coming at you from New Jersey, the capital of misery and a place where metal forgot to die. This is Here Lies Metal, the podcast that brings you the origins, history, and culture of everything metal once again. I am Maledictus and I will be your overlord for today and all of eternity. Welcome. And once again and forever, we have lovely Samantha here helping out with the podcast and some I'm incapable of being in the same room with a microphone alone. I cannot be trusted to be alone with this microphone. It might abuse me. So we have Samantha here to protect me from the microphone. Say hello. Hello. All right, so now me and Samantha have put together a show for you today. Um, I might have left a hint on our Facebook page about um, front men running free. Now, what does that mean? There have been many iconic front men front men in metal and we have no front women don't do we we didn't do any front women but i don't, I don't can't really i i thought about that yeah i was thinking about it too. i couldn't think of a single example yeah i couldn't i was thinking of like lita ford maybe but she's not really the front person of that band you know so there you go we're so, a yeah. misogynist podcast yeah i'm afraid this you know i think just the men have bigger you know more likely to get into conflicts with their bands and it's a lot more men bands, so it's hard to, you know, being yeah. at less women bands are less likely to cause problems with their bands. Being at the less house, you know, just statistically, they're not going to probably cause problems. There, there is that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyway, um, let's get on with the news. <clears throat> what do we have today? Uh, let us start with, oh, let's start with this, um, another, oh, what is, what is, we're going to be, um, you know, kind of like how Loudwire is the official What Does Corey Taylor Think um, publication. We're going to be sort of the What Does Tobias Forge Think. That's going to be our um, our guy to go to. So what's what's Ghost doing in the news today? I bet Loudwire will follow us. Yeah, they'll, yeah, it's only a matter of time. Well, they kind of are doing that right now, but they still love Corey Taylor, though, and I couldn't give a fuck about Corey Taylor. So that's the difference. But, you know, they'll, they have room for both, though, at Loudwire or any other of those. I like how Metal Sucks calls that out, though. Like, they kind of call out how they, you know, how everyone else is like, what does Corey Taylor think? So, anyway. Um, Grammy-nominated metal band. Yes, they are Grammy-nominated. Did they even win a Grammy? They might have. I don't know. Yes, they won. They won. They won a Grammy. That's insane. I can't. It was, like, for best metal performance. Yeah. It was like metal performance. There's some like hilarious, maybe not hilarious, mildly amusing uh, video of them on the red carpet at the I remember Grammys. That. Yeah, they actually had to come. They actually came on to, um, I don't know if they won. Did they? They were won. They, were they invited more than once? Because I remember I saw them once and they got their Grammy like in the daytime. Like those things run basically all day. <laughs> oh yeah, it was not a prime time yeah, category. Which I'm surprised because they're really popular. And, and Megadeth was also there to get a grip. And they were like well, there uh, in like the morning. They're popular, but we're still in the genre of metal. Yeah, ever since. And that is daytime Grammy. Yeah, there was like nobody there. Material. But, you know, I remember back in the day, this was a famous, like that time Jethro Tull won. But was that for, yeah, it was for metal, right? And that was in prime time. Like where they were up against a Grammy from with Metallica and Jethro Tull one, that was like big news. Ever since that, they're like, "Fuck it, we're just not going to deal with that." They're like, we can't do it right. We don't care. We don't really care. We have some Metallica fans. You know, we're too busy giving um, um, whoever I don't know who these pop stars are these days. I couldn't even tell you. Anyway, let's get on with this news. Um, so, 
uh, as you know, ghosts, they have this sort of pseudo-satanic tongue-in-cheek theme. You know, and you all, if you are if you have half a brain, you know it's not real. Even though Tobias Fords likes to say it's real, because what's he going to do, say it's fake? Like, he needs to... Well, I think he pays lip service to it being kind of Anton LaVey. Yeah. Kind of, you know, the philosophical... Yeah, he's looking Satanism, at... Satanism. Yeah. As opposed to, like, the actual worship of anything. Yeah. You know, I Which, think he's... Just the philosophy. He's one of those... Just like the philosophy of it, which I, you know, which is fine. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with the philosophy of, of what you know that stands for. Because when you really look at it, it's much more righteous than any real religion, you know. And it's really an atheist movement. Really, it's really not like a, we're worshiping the devil. It's like we just reject yeah. all the hypocrisy that you yeah, guys teach. Yeah, they're openly atheists. Yeah, it's it's really not real. It's just saying. All that establishment stuff, all the three religions, all that horse shit. Anyway, you know? this is the kind of subtlety that average, you know, people are not going to get. Yeah. So. Yeah. That but, doesn't matter for this article. But anyway, let's. I just keep getting sidetracked, which is fine. We could do this podcast for fucking three hours if we want to. Um, so there is um, someone. Let's see here. Is somebody giving him a hard time? Basically, they're giving. They're finally being given a hard time about their satanist. Um, persona and uh in midland texas is it what does it say here um so here we are last november larry long pastor of the fellowship community that sounds the fellowship community church in midland that sounds like a lot of fun that kind of makes me think of that church on the movie footloose where where um um what's his name um kevin bacon well kevin bacon was the kid who's bringing the Satan to this town. But John Lithgow plays the pastor and the girl he's into, his, her father is the pastor. And he's like, this is devil dancing. And, you know, and Kevin Bacon's just like, oh boy. You know, but that's kind of reminds me of that's what this thing is like. You know, that, you know, I picture John Lithgow there being like, they are bringing Satan to our town. And, and I just can't fucking stand those people. And apparently they're all up in arms about, you know, they think they just, I guess they just sort of discovered this thing that they call ghost and like oh my god these satan bands are back i thought we got rid of them when we put judas priest into trial but no it never went anywhere people and now it's mainstream this is totally mainstream so what else do we have here um they so what do they want to stop this thing at the end of the day the fellowship community caused it, it, actually more tickets were sold obviously that's you know what happens when you call out these things everyone even in midland texas everyone thinks the church is dumb okay so you know and of course uh tobias forge had said you know there's much worse things in music being promoted and you know much worse themes than the harmless uh rhetoric that he's spreading which it is completely harmless so i feel like satan is even barely mentioned on the newest album yeah yeah i think you're right it's they really are i think they're kind of getting out of that you know, I think they're, that was kind of like their original theme. But I think, you know, as they get more popular, they're like, you know, they're kind of moving on. You know, they're trying to be more of like a, you know, it's a more of a theatrical show if you if you saw it recently. I mean, it's it's very theatrical. That's what they're trying to do. It's the, There's a lot of comedy in the shows now. You know, it's, it's a, you know, it's a good time despite the annoying fans. So what else do we have to say about this? 
don't know. You know, nothing. This is yeah, and this isn't significant. This isn't like the 1980s. I feel like where, I've I've heard this story already. Yeah, before, and, and we will. Well, we'll this is hear all, it again. Yeah, and it'll yeah. keep happening. But this has been happening. And in the 80s, people took this stuff seriously, you know, because parents were just becoming like keen to this stuff. So you had like TV talk shows like Geraldo and Morton Downey Jr. being like, our kids are listening to Satan music. And, you know, as a young kid going to Catholic school back then, I was like, oh, my God, Satan is, is my music satanic? I hope not. You know, and I was scared kind of to listen to even to like Poison or Motley Crue, which is just completely ridiculous. <laughs> but, you know, that's that's the brainwashing. I, you know, kids are very susceptible to. And, you know, you heard people kill themselves. And you was like, what if I kill myself if I listen to this? You know, it was. But this is all part of, you know. I it's, live a little. Yeah. I live a little. You know, yeah. You got to live a little, even if you have to die. So anyway, I'm talking about this thing. You get the point. That's you know, it's just the usual horse shit. You know, what else do we have here? Oh, it's it's time for some KISS news. You know, as you know, KISS is on their so-called final tour. Maybe they'll all die or something. I don't know. But um, according to, you know, obviously Ace Freely was not asked to be on this final tour. Or was he? Who knows? This might be all fake. But Ace Freely calls Gene Simmons an asshole and a sex addict. That is not news, <laughs> Mr. No. Ace Freely. Ace Freely, you are a crackhead because that is not news. Everyone knows that Gene Simmons is an asshole and somehow a sex addict. Probably because he has a lot of money. Um, what yeah. Somehow. You know, so what, 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 what do you mean? What do you mean somehow? Like somehow that he's called a sex addict? I mean, look at him. Look, it's a picture of him it right there. It doesn't matter. God, he's he's hideous. If you're look, a rock star. You're gonna get it. I guess, but he's old. I, I mean, mean, back then. Yeah, I guess he was kind of like he kind of had that like you know, <laughs> you know, like that. Hey, girls. <laughs> and they, I guess they like that. I don't know, but you know, he he was always a douche. Everyone knows that. You know, if you know anything about um, Gene Simmons. But, uh, yeah, they're fighting again. But I think this is all fake. I think what they're going to do is they're like, oh, no, Ace is not going to be on the final tour. Then they're going to have him show up on a few shows, and you're not going to know which shows he shows up on. Anyway, it's going to get the KISS fans all riled up, and they're going to pay $12,000 for VIP passes. You know, the usual thing. KISS is just going to keep making money because you people keep giving them money. So what, what, what can we do with that, you know? it's And, of course, they go back and forth. You know, Ace Frehley's a drug addict, blah, blah, blah. You know, Gene Simmons is always shitting on him over that. But this, you know, this conflict will never end. And it really just keeps the KISS fans, with, gives them something to think about, you know, because their lives are so empty. I'm a, I like KISS, but, you know. And I, and I like the drama in KISS. I like when this happens. It just entertains me. Wasn't there like a murder plot? Mentioned? Oh, let's, we have another. <clears throat> speaking, <clears throat> sorry. Speaking of Ace Freely. Let's see. What do we have here? Okay, we have. Um, blah, blah, blah. Let's open that. Okay, so according to this, uh, still on Ace Freely, Kiss Ace Freely's longtime girlfriend says Kiss tried to have the guitarist killed in the seventies. I don't see it makes, you know, makes sense. I don't. I could see that happening. You know, he was um, kind of a pain back then. You know, he would. But you know, he's like the most talented member of KISS, I think, even though he's a crackhead. Um, you know, he really just was the most interesting member of that band. And in his solo project, his solo project was, of course, the most successful because uh, it was the best. I mean, it was really good, you know, and he doesn't even try. So, okay, so should we read this quote here? Yes. Uh, this is from, this is from, uh, okay. So I guess this is from... It's um, from his girlfriend. From his girlfriend. 
Here's a quote. Let me tell you. I'm going to do her voice. Let me tell you. This is how I picture her talking. You know, it's like a girl from the Bronx. You know, she's like, let me tell you. They tried to have Ace killed in the 70s. Tried sending him to a so-called private party. Like, I guess they were trying to send him to Firefest or something. Ace is very sober now and knows what's happening. That's the best part. He knows what's happening. No, he doesn't. He's like worse. He's, no, he's not as bad as Ozzy, but he's up there. He sees things clearly now. So he doesn't need a chain of lowbrow restaurants. He plays the guitar. That's what he does. Fuck them. You know, I don't know. I don't know whether to believe this girl or not. She sounds like a real character. She sounds like a real keeper. But, you know, I mean, what kind of women do you think Ace Freely hangs around? You know, what kind of women like stick around with a guy like that? Hey, I'm not bashing Ace Freely, all you Crazy Kiss fans. I mean, he's... You know, I guess he's my favorite in Kiss, reluctantly. But, you know, let's, um, I believe it. They tried to kill us, really. Yeah, totally. Should have a Here Lies Metal Investigation. Investigation. Um, In-depth investigation. Here Lies Metal Investigates. Get to the bottom. Attempted murder of Ace Freely. Um, what if what if they did kill Ace Freely? It, it probably you know what if they killed him back then, no one would have ever remembered him. I guarantee. If like, they killed him in like nineteen seventy six, they'd be like, "Who was that guy that was in Kiss? He got, he got killed mysteriously. What was his name?" That like no one would have remembered him. I guarantee, because he would have never made that solo album. No one ever would have remembered him. But you know, Kiss, whatever. It's it's gonna end finally, right? What else we got here? Uh, what do we got? Oh, and, oh, we have a death. You know, we haven't done a. You know, we used, to, we used to always have a death on every news, and there's always one. So, vocalist Bruce Corbett of Warbeast and the great Rigor Mortis, who I featured on one of the episodes of West Coast Thrash, as they are a very iconic West Coast Thrash band, um, also featured also featured member uh, Casey Orr, who would eventually be in Guar as one of the Beefcake the Mighties. Um, yes, he... Um, Sadly passed away due to cancer of the the esophagus. I wonder if he was a smoker. I don't know. But he was 56 years old and he was part of a great band. So all hail Bruce Corbett. May you have a Viking funeral, sir. Yeah, I never really got much. I should listen to more Rigor Mortis, you know. I don't think I've listened to either. I think they're 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 a good they're a good thrash band. You know, they're very, you know, they're legit as you know one of the pioneering thrash bands absolutely so bruce corbett what else we got here ozzy's sick oh ozzy's sick oh no ozzy's sick what do you know ozzy's hey i want to i'm sorry to be grim but you know do you ever have like a death pool you know you're like who's gonna die soon i'm sorry to tell you all this but i think his his he's coming up you know like 70 well what's wrong with him right now uh let's find out let's read this thing because he had to recently drop off the tour because he, he got an infection. So he had to cancel a whole bunch of days. But now he's going to postpone his entire UK and European farewell tour dates due to his sickness. Ozzy's health woes continue, according to this article by Metal Sucks. Why do I get all my stuff from Metal Sucks? Real reputable source. Um, real bunch of guys that everyone in the industry loves maybe that's why i do get industry like they're like the alt press of metal i don't know um they're gawker (laughs) yes they're like yeah they're like uh they're fake news uh and i only follow fake news you know that um just the day after the prince of darkness announced the postponement of four shows on current leg of his uta i announced that he has been forced to postpone the entire uk gig 
um, no more tours, along with Judas Priest. Judas Priest is playing with him. How do you like that? Um, the reason Ozzy was initially felt to have been suffering from the flu, but he has been diagnosed with severe upper respiratory infection. That's very serious. Pneumonia. That's not serious. That's serious. That could, you know, an old person that could that could take out an old person, man. Especially you know, guy who's, you know, in his health, you know, it's not. He's kind of incoherent these days. So, you know, um, as much as you don't like Sharon, she is a saint, okay? <laughs> Believe it or not, she has to care for this person or pay people to care for him and make sure, you know, he gets out there on stage. It's probably a full-time job to keep Ozzy going. So, but just, why, why don't they just let Ozzy sleep? Just don't, selfish, they're like, oh, we want to see Ozzy. Want, no, just let him sleep. Let him, does he really want to do this? I don't know if he does. I mean, his statement makes it seem like he does. But yeah, of did course. Did he write the no, statement? No, of course. He can't write. He can't speak. And Sharon is like, all right, here's what we're going to do. You know, and, and she keeps shaking this moneymaker. She's shaking her moneymaker, and Ozzy's her moneymaker. She's like, give me get some more money out of this guy. And Maybe I, he just wants to get out of the house. Maybe he doesn't want to be in the house. But she follows him on tour. He can't get no. away from her. She follows him everywhere. So I don't know, Ozzy. Like, I just let the old rest, like... Stop being selfish, metal fans. We have to let them go and find new bands. How about that? There's plenty of new bands. There's plenty of bad bands out there, as we went over last week. But there's also a lot of good bands who deserve our attention. So stop sticking, you know, I'm glad Kiss is going away finally. <laughs> okay, what's here? Speaking of old people, um, hey, Brian Johnson is back in ACDC, if you gave a fuck. Uh, yeah, that's right, because they threw him out because he couldn't hear. I can't hear, and I'm in bands, but maybe he really couldn't hear. And it's not because of the music, it's actually because he's a race car driver, and uh, he lost his hearing driving really loud cars. You gotta see this guy, if you watch episodes of Top Gear, he was, they would have him on, and he was, it was hilarious, and it's a really good car driver, too. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, all you mouth breathers out there. ACDC. ACDC is the ultimate mouth breather band. They're, you know, they're a great band, but you know. Like, yeah, I do the ACDC voice. Oh, yeah, it's, you, know, you see those, did you ever like go to a show and there's some guy, in any show, I mean, and there's always a guy who's got like an ACDC shirt and he's got like a balding mullet and he's like, yeah, ACDC, yeah. You know, that guy, you know, the mouth breather. I'll, I'll get, we'll get into that. You know, you're probably like, oh, what a snob. You're such a hipster snob. You know, you, do you know these guys? They're out there. They're just, you know, they just have, like, a really low, they're not, you know, they didn't pay too much attention in life. I'm not even talking, like, school. They didn't pay attention in life. Like, they're just, I don't know how they, you know, they keep breathing. Like, I don't know how there's enough brain power to keep their lungs functioning, with, you know. They're having a good time. They are, they are definitely having a better time than me in my <laughs> judgmental life. Exactly. Think you about know, that. I'm worried about this and that and what's, you know, this and that and all this but those guys are just living their primitive instinct they're drinking they're fucking and they're sleeping and they're happy you know so they're better than me aren't they uh what else do we have uh we have exciting personal news right. that we will be going to psycho las vegas ah, that's right in august that's right people so we're gonna do a review from that i'm gonna tell you what happens but yes we're going for our honeymoon we decided at the last minute we were kind of looking around we were thinking of going to scott we were thinking of doing something boring like going to scotland or something or france but uh instead you know it came to us sort of at the last minute it's like hey why don't we go to psycho the lineup looked good so far. The lineup is very limited right now. They haven't really revealed it. But the few bands that they did, I was like, oh, I'm into that. You know, Uncle Acid is playing. 
So um, I'm into that. So we're going to go in August when it's the hottest there, which is great, to Mandalay Bay, is it? Mandalay Bay. Yes. Yes. They've moved it to Mandalay Bay from originally from the Hard Rock Cafe and Hard Rock Casino, sorry. And it's going to be a three-day fest where all your favorite Doom bands and others, they do they try to do like, I think... Um, there's, there's definitely some non-doomy bands playing. They always kind of fit in everywhere, everyone in that thing. Um, so yeah, um, Glassjaw is playing. They're not, they're like, they're kind of a, you know, a hardcore know. band. I don't, I don't know. I guess. Yeah, they're like, you know, they sound like a band for guys with soul patches, you know. <laughs> but yeah, so it's gonna be great. That is gonna be something to write home about, and we're gonna tell you about it make a podcast episode about that hey maybe i could broadcast live i don't know can i do that i don't know how to do that we're on vacation yeah i'm not working i'm not even shooting i'm not doing that i haven't done that in a while i don't you know really have any official shows coming up because i'm tired and no one pays me and you know everyone's an asshole and everyone wants my shows like i used to apply for a lot of metal bands and now everyone all of a sudden wants the same bands what the fuck it's it's for me you know, it's like, you never heard of them? Like, I didn't do this band. Like, you never heard of them? And now, like, you no, know, people are like, no, I heard of that. I'm like, damn it. I can't be a hipster anymore if you heard of my bands. So I'm very upset. Um, I'm triggered. So what else to be? Is that all the news? That was a lot of news. I saw, that was a lot of news. That was we, enough. We went, we, it's enough news. You are now informed about the metal world this week. You know, kiss our assholes. Brian Johnson's back. Bruce Corbett is dead. Ozzy is sick. And Tobias Forge is a Satan worshiper and is trying to kill your children. All right. So what do we have today? We have an episode about, I titled this one, Front Men Running Free. Now, what does that mean? Front men, as famous front men, it's going to be about all famous front men, whether you like them or not, about front men who ran away from their band to form a solo project or whose band broke up and they, you know, went on their own successfully. And some of them even came back to their bands, of course. But, you know, and some of their bands went on without them, you know, with success and without success. But we're going to go over a bunch of bands that, you know, qualify as metal bands, you know, and all kinds of metal or hard rock. You know, we're going to have, we're going to really mix it up here. You know, I'm not only going to talk about metal, metal. You know, we're going to get into like some hard rock bands too. That's going to happen once in a while. I'm not just going to keep it there. So, should we begin? Yes. Are we ready to begin? Here we go with Frontman Running Free. Who's this? We will start with one of the pioneers of metal as it is today. This band is from Germany. Say a cold. Well, no. This is this is the solo guy. We're gonna start with the solo guy. So this is Udo Dirkschneider, as you know him from the band. Except he's known with his, you know, he has that raspy voice. I used to always think he was like ACDC. You know, I used to hear him, but you know, he's way better. And this is a band called Udo. Like it's like an acronym, U-D-O. That stands for. It's probably something in German. But his name is Udo. His name is Udo, and but the name the name is Udo. You think he came up with like a different phrase? Maybe. Like he's like, hey, my name stands for something. But I meant just like something in German. It's like, you know, that's what it stands for. And uh, this song is called, what is this song called? It's called Break the Break, Rules. Break the Rules. And this is Udo's first 
um, debut album outside of Accept? No, it's technically not true. Oh, so? He had an album before this, but I wouldn't call it his first solo album because the members of Accept actually wrote it and performed it, but the band name was Udo. But this album, Mean Machine, is his first with a whole totally new band, and it's, it's actually awesome. Okay, so this is our Udo Dershire doing a great job here without, you know, the legendary Accept. And Accept is one of those underrated bands, I think. You know, they have some really good stuff. And Accept, to me, listening to early stuff, they're kind of like a poor man's Judas Priest. They're really trying to be like Judas Priest in a lot of ways. You know, like a German Judas Priest. But that's my take on them. But, you know, they're very important for I just hear balls to the wall. And... Well, they have so many songs. I don't know, that's all this. There's some really good songs. <laughs> their, their albums before that are like, there's some you really good balls songs. Balls to the Wall. Balls to the Wall. That's the first song I heard from I them. can't get past it. Yeah. And that was like, I think Beavis and Butthead kind of made that song. I remember there was a, that, they had that video on Beavis and Butthead. And I'm pretty sure they enjoyed it. Because Udo Dirkstein was literally riding a wrecking ball. He was like riding it. And he was like, and he, was, and he went for like a wall with it. And, you know, I remember seeing Udo Dirkstein. He was like, he's like this little compressed man. And, he, and I'm like, and he's wearing full body camouflage. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? I'm like, what is that? You know, but he is Blue Dirtshire. And, um. I think this song's okay. Yeah. Decent. Yeah, I think this is, you know, and he's still around today doing this. Oh, yeah. With success. He's still pretty decent, too. Yes. People love this guy. Um, he, he's no joke. He is a metal hero. He's the most, one of the most underrated metal heroes, I would say. So, so that's Udo. So let's go into where Accept continued without him. Accept actually made one album. I'm gonna go to that right now. All right, this is Accept's attempt, first attempt without Udo in 1989 with their Eat to Heat album. This song was called XTC, not like the not like the band XT, but kind of like the band XTC. It's kind of spelled the same way. Um, interestingly enough, this is their um, Vocalist with vocalist David Reese, I think he was just this nobody who just did this album. They would get Udo back again right after this, but this is their first attempt. And they would keep Udo throughout the 90s until they kind of came, were a casualty of the metal crash, like every band. And they would, of course, reform in the 2000s um, briefly with Udo, I think, but then he would move on back to Udo. But except, of course, is around today, also very successful. You know, this was a time when they were having some problems, and they clearly this album is very weak without that voice, right? What do you think? Yeah, this isn't this isn't doing much. Nope. Now, I think the story on this goes is that they tried to go without Udo. Like they got this guy, they're like, we're fine. We don't need Udo. And this no, this album was so so poorly received that they were just like out of it for like six years, maybe five years until they got Udo to come back. Yeah. yeah. And it was just like, well, I don't know. But they have someone else now. I guess he's working yeah, on there's a Yeah, there's a new, I don't know who he is. He's one of those old guys with like a soul patch. You yeah, know. I, I got really distracted <laughs> looking at that. Yes. What's with old guys and like, well, old guys in all music? like a, a bright white. Yeah, it's a bright white. <laughs> okay, so that was Except Without Udo with her new guy, with her, with her So what's the, what's early the final verdict? Oh, about about that. Udo um, alone and accept alone. Uh, Udo is better. Who alone. won? Udo. Udo, Udo is kind of like Ross the Boss alone versus Ross the Boss, you know, as opposed to 
Ross the Boss without Man of War, or you know, Man of War without Ross the Boss. They're just not that good. And Ross the Boss is still pretty awesome on his own, you know, because he's doing Man of War songs. He's doing his Man of War songs. So yeah, that's what was just that's what that's like. Udo is like Ross the Boss. Okay, that's that's what I. It's the German Ross. The boss. Yes, that's what I compare him with. What do we got next here? Uh oh, remember this guy? <laughs> All right, so. Hey, Dave. What? Um, yeah, you remember, of course, uh, David Lee Roth. This is him. And this was a big story, of course. This was a band, of course, that was huge on MTV. This wasn't like, except, um, of course, um, Roth formally parted ways with Van Halen in 1985. And it was basically uh, based on musical differences with the asshole Van Halen brothers. Uh, Roth, wa- Roth wanted to do music like this, you know, rock and roll about sex and partying. And, you know, Ed and Alex wanted to do, you know, more like lighthearted, synth friendly MTV kind of thing. You know, so um, Roth's band, his new band, the David Lee Roth band, um, featured um, Steve Vai on guitar, who was in Alcatraz, and Billy Sheen, who would be in Mr. Big. He was probably in some of them before that as well. And it's called Eat Him and Smile. It featured David Lee Roth's face on the cover, like he's some sort of flesh-eating savage or something and um uh you know this album did pretty well when it came out and i believe he did a few solo albums but you know it it was a little bit beyond hair metal this stuff i mean it was hair metal i guess but it was a little bit more despite david lee roth being ridiculous it wasn't as ridiculous as like poison you know to me i remember you know liking it as a kid this song coming out, but you, you know, what, 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 you weren't really exposed no. to this, you know. But this was my generation, and this was was popular. This was popular. He's got Billy Sheen on it. Yeah, he's a, you know he's a, one of those bass players. He's one of those like, oh, that guy's a yeah, bass player. I've seen Billy Sheen. Yeah, right. You've, you've seen him at bass day. He's a bass day kind of guy. He's like, oh, I'm a bass player kind of guy. You know, it's, a, it's like you know most people don't pay attention to bass players, but when bass players get together and they're really good, they're like work bass players, and they're always like better than guitarists because like it's so much harder to do that when you're doing on a bass as opposed to a guitar. So you know, respect your bass player, let him turn up. Um, so you kept Billy Sheen for very long. No, no, it didn't. No, it didn't really. I mean, he probably moved on to Mr. Big, whatever it was. Um, no, and I think I was hated that band, Mr. Big. But Roth, of course, in 2007, came back to Van Halen um, after their long and very successful career with Sammy Hagar, who we're playing now. And Sammy Hagar, as you all know, um, he was kind of like the opposite of a frontman running free, as he was a solo guy before. Well, he was from Montrose. He was from Montrose in the early 70s. I would say he was already a frontman running yeah, free. Yeah, he was running free, then he ended up... And then up... he got back in chains. Yes, with back, and, that, and that is chains, because the way they treat people. Um, so, of course, they had a huge success with Sammy Hagar. It was a different sound. It was a very synth-friendly sound. But I feel like they even got bigger on MTV. I mean, in the 90s, these guys were like MTV's poster boy. Like, these guys were, it was just hit after hit with Van Halen with the uh, for Unlawful Carnal Knowledge or Fuck album. And um, with OU812. Van Halen liked to do these crafty kind of names. With them. You know, OU812. I never got that back then. You know, it kind of dawned on me recently. OU812. Oh, yeah. OU812. <laughs> like this no. means no- she's like this means nothing to me but 
This is from their 5150 album, which was the first album with Sandy Hagar. And uh, 5150 is a police code in Los Angeles for like a naked man running around. 10-4, uh, we got a 5150. It is a naked man running around. Uh, that's what that means. But anyway, you know, Sammy Hagar, of course, is not in Van Hill anymore. And he, he's actually in the official cargo pants, cargo shorts band. The official band of cargo shorts is besides Clutch called um, Chicken Foot. I believe he's in that with the former bass player of Van Halen, Michael Anthony. Uh, but of course, I think they both do things at Van Halen. They're all like a big happy family now. They just pretend to not hate each other. You know, I mean, I, I just can't picture the Van Halen brothers liking anyone ever. But, you know, they need money. They need to pay the bills. So I think bands like Van Halen are doing like cruises now. We gotta do an episode on old bands doing cruises. You know, I don't know, I'm, I, I'm not for it. It's like, it means metal people are old and they have money now. So they could go on. I don't want to go on a metal cruise. I want to go. You want to go on a metal cruise? Not on the Van Halen. No, not on that one. No, but just like heavy. Just like I think. I think like um, obituary has like a metal cruise. Don't you want to go on that? No. No, I don't. Never liked obituary. But I think you know all these like I think. Oh man, I think the the boat will sink. Yeah, death metal guys, Florida death metal guys. Actually, Megadeth is doing a major cruise this year. Yes, I want to go on that one. Megadeth, that should have been our honeymoon. Megadeth. Dave Convertis. Dave Convertis. Yes, I have my Ted Cruz aboard. That's the real purpose. Yes, I, I, I reject all Satan. I am now an evangelical. Maybe that'll happen one day. Maybe I'll get like really old, you know, and I'll be like, wait a minute, God. Imagine that. That's why my mom says it's gonna happen. It is. She's right. She's right. Listen, old people they know. Like they, they just like you know, you think that no. Like, yeah. What do you think of this song? This is good. I like this. I like this. I like that proggy like part that just yeah. happened, but otherwise I agree with David Roth. Yeah. I want some fucking guitars. Yeah. David Lee Roth was more of a rocker. There, David Lee Roth is such a smart guy. Did you ever hear him? Like he's a smart guy. Like he is like beyond intelligence level. He's a pilot too. Yeah, it smokes a lot of weed. Also, so, I can just tell there's like way less high kicking. Yes, there's no guess. Sammy Hagar. Well, actually, when he first came into the band, he was doing all that. Like he was trying to oh, do really? that. Yeah, there's videos of him like sort of acting like an idiot. But anyway, here we go. For all of you douchebags out there, this is just Rob Zombie, the film director, born Robert Bartley Cummings. Oh, no wonder why he changed his name to Rob Zombie. His name is, imagine if your name was Cummings. Like, how much hell are you going to get in school for that? He's from, he's from Haverhill, Massachusetts. No, no surprise. He just seems like a Massachusetts kind of guy. And of course he went to, and I'm not making fun of Massachusetts. Yes, I am. Um, he moved to New York City and began attending Parsons School of Design. What a surprise. What a surprise. And uh, where he met eventual girlfriends. I find that kind of surprising. What? what that he went, they to went to Parsons? Parsons? I don't find it surprising. I know guys, I know complete, like, guys that act like someone else that went to Parsons. Like, guys that are on this really tough If I was going to guess without knowing anything who Rob Zombie was, I would guess he was some ick. Um, you know, never been he, would, he tries to put on that persona, but he's definitely I guess maybe I bought Yeah, he's definitely not that. Um, he met girlfriend Son Sean Silt. She was the bass player in White Zombie. Of course, that was his girl. Of course. Makes sense. And uh, she was a good bass player. She wasn't bad. Anyway, so White Zombie actually had a whole bunch of albums before 
he was in Bud Discovery. For all you people that probably don't know that, you know, they, they were around for a while, but their, their early albums actually were not bad. They were not terrible. It was, it was very worthy music. But uh, here's, here's a funny one. Uh, Rob, Rob Zombie was a production assistant on the television series Pee-wee's Playhouse. Imagine that. Rob Zombie running around. They're like, oh, Mr. Rubens, here's your coffee, Mr. Rubens. He's like, thank you, asshole. You know, so, you know, so, uh, of course, after um, Rob Zombie moved on to other things, of course, Rob, uh, this is an example of a band that did not continue and still does not continue to this day. Rob Zombie, of course, does. You mean White Zombie couldn't work without Rob Zombie? I mean, I think they couldn't work without him. He was kind of the whole, he's one of those um, situations where he's the whole thing. He is the powering force behind that. So. so, looking at this, it looks... He, he just decided to make a solo album. And when it did so much better than anything White Zombie ever did, he was just like, fuck that. Yeah, he was like, I don't need that anymore. And of course, he became this movie director that people somehow took seriously. I don't know why his movies are terrible. But he went to Parsons. They went to Par- oh, that's why. So he's allowed to make movies now. <laughs> God, he's terrible. Like his movie, like he made Halloween. He made this insult that was Halloween, and um, I guess Devil's Rejects wasn't bad. I didn't hate that, but you know, tries too hard. Whatever, Rob Zombie. He's 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 of course a pioneer of new metal, like it or not. Fuck you, Rob Zombie. What else we got here? This song is called "Empty Walls" by Serge Tankian. Serge Tankian, of course. Um, he's Lebanese-born. He is Armenian. He wants you all to know that. Okay, which is good, which is fine, because he's trying to really promote Armenian awareness, which a lot of people don't know. They were a people that are victim genocide, if you don't know that, okay? And... Um, anyway, um, you know, and Serge uh, Sankin, of course, has done, um, he was, of course, in the famous band, System of a Down, formed in 1994, um, a very pioneering new metal band. Of course, probably one of the better ones. I mean, you gotta give these guys credit for doing really interesting things. Um, but I guess if they're new metal, they're definitely the best. You know? Yeah, I, I would agree. Like I, you know, they don't bother me that much. Uh, but he, you know, eventually they I'm hesitant bro- to to call them metal. Though. Yeah. Well, they're a little more. They're a little com- bit more going on. Yeah, they definitely have a lot more in their heads going on than say, um, Fred Durst, because <laughs> that guy's a moron. Um, so yeah, these guys are definitely of a much higher plane of they existence. They didn't rap. Yeah, they didn't rap. That's right. And they that did. was very big at the time. Yeah, everyone had to rap. And he was, they, they were around, I mean, they were around society for us, and they were like one of the earlier examples of this. But they were part of that scene. Um, they broke up in 2006 where Serge went solo. Serge, of course, does a lot of movie soundtracks for mostly movies about Armenians, which is fine. He's, he is an Armenian. He actually did this thing with, um... Anthony Bourdain before he died, where he went to Armenia with him. I never saw that. I should watch that. But, you know, this guy is just really promoting his culture, and he wants you to know about it. So just give him a break. Uh, he now resides in Warkworth, New Zealand. Which, uh, anyone, anyone who lives in New Zealand is only doing one thing. They, they A, they have a lot of money, and B, they're waiting for the fucking world to end. That's why people go to New Zealand, because they're waiting for the nukes to drop. And they're like, we'll be safe here because no one's going to nuke New Zealand. He knows something we don't. Of course he does. He knows a lot of things. But anyway, you know, we'll give, you know, sort of shanky and, you know, keep on rocking. Some people hope you, you know, there's all this talk of getting System of a Down back together. 
Yeah, they're constantly threatening to make a sound. They're kind of like tool almost, you know, like kind of. That's gonna happen. So they claim. I'm not gonna hold on to that. Really I, I mean, I gotta say, this song sounds a lot like System of a Down. Yeah, yeah, so it's like yeah. Well, that's his style. Still there. Yeah, that's his style. But anyway, Serge. So we don't need them to get back together. Yeah, we don't. We just have you. We don't want the other Armenian guys. You know. Okay. <laughs> we don't want too many. Ones. We don't want too many Armenians in one. You know, the Armenians are they're, they're fuming right now. Like, Fuck, I'm you know, but they get mad. I know Armenians. They get mad and they get so angry. You know, a lot of UFC fighters that are Armenians because they're so angry. They have a reason to be. Anyway, I'll stop. Uh-oh. This is Jamie Josta. You know him from Hatebreed. This is his solo thing. Um, and Hatebreed, of course, is still going. And they didn't, of course, replace him or, or anything. But, you know, he just kind of went back to it. And Jamie Josta is a guy that does a lot of things. And believe it or not, this song is called Chase Some Demons. And he did this song with, I couldn't believe it, with Howard Jones. If you don't know what Howard Jones is, he was a famous... New Wave synthesizerist from the early 80s. He made a couple of hits. And I just thought that was so interesting that this guy worked with Howard Jones. And yes, it is Howard Jones doing synthesizers in this. And Jamie Joss is known for collaborating with a lot of different people in this band. You know, he's collaborated with Kurt Weinstein from Crowbar, Jack w Zach Wilde, Philip Labonte, Tim Lambesis, who was out of jail for trying to kill his wife, and Randy Blythe, a lot of people. So Jamie Joss's real name is James Vincent Shanahan. He's from Connecticut, no joke. He's from New Haven, Connecticut. So he knows good pizza. And um, yeah, of course, um, Hatebreed, of course, was, um, they're like a true example of metalcore. I, I like to call a lot of bands metalcore, but these guys are actually metalcore. Like actually what metalcore is supposed to be, so we be a mixture of like hardcore music and metal, and I think Hatebreed is the prime example of what that is. And uh, like Maledictus here, uh, Jamie Joss also has a famous podcast, which he does. And, um, you know, he talks about stuff. He has a like, people on He has like a Joe Rogan kind of deal. But, you know, Jamie Josta, you know, he does his thing. He's like my age. I hate this. Yeah, it's not, it's not my kind of music, but... You know, he was an example of a front man running for... Yeah, it's, it's that kind of music. It's like, you know, he does this kind of stuff. People like this guy. People, the kind of people who like Slipknot like this guy. People who kind of like Stone Sour and like Jamie Johnson. I, I don't like hate Jamie Johnson. He's done like a lot of good stuff with people. I have no opinion on Jamie Johnson running free because both this and hate free are terrible. Yeah, I just like I have a heart. I have a soft spot in my heart for him. I'm like, oh, Jamie Joss, okay. You do? Yeah, just for a reason. I like, hate the guy. I'm like, oh, Jamie Joss. Yeah, yeah. You're very. His birthday is very close to you. He's like my age. Yeah, he's a, he's a little younger than me. He's very similar to you. Yeah, he's like slightly younger than me. He's, he's eight seven seven seven, and you're wow, seven look at, two seven. Wow, seven, dude, seven. he's like the other Antichrist. So that's him. Children of God. You get it, Jamie Joss. Uh, you don't need to hear hate breed. What else we got? Oh, this here is Soulfly with Ritual. And Soulfly, of course, is by a guy, a Brazilian named Max Calavera. And uh, he, of course, is born in Brazil and kind of really pioneered that Brazilian metal scene. He was, of course, in Sepultura. And even people don't realize he was in Sepultura for a very short time. It was only for like maybe two or three albums. And Sepultura got probably a lot bigger without him. Um, a lot of people think, he, you know, by listening to Sepultura, they kind of don't sound that much different. But um, he had left uh, Sepultura. I never, I kind of learned this recently. 
um, the manager of Sepultura was his wife, and their, their, his, her son died, and they, of course, took a hiatus for a while. Well, they left, like, right before a show. Yeah. And, so they kind of left the band high and dry. Yeah, I guess they did, but, you know, someone died. Though. But, no, it's understandable. I'm not, I'm <laughs> yeah. not you know, that's just the, the situation. Yeah, it died. was a complicated situation, and when they came back, basically, they were not welcome. I was reading this, and I'm like, what the fuck, Sepultura? Yeah, and it caused a lot of problems. So he's like, you know what, fuck you guys, me and my wife are leaving. I mean, maybe it's annoying if like one of your bandmates is married to the manager. Yeah, that could be. That could be annoying, it's but like still, like, his stepson just died. Yeah, you know, it's like a big deal. You kind of have to put things on the back burner when that happens. You know? So, of course, he's with a band called Soulfly, and he's with another band called Cavalera Conspiracy. You know, he and his brother Igor do a lot of stuff together. I think it's, yeah, Igor, Igor, and it's, you know, he has a son Igor. too, Igor, Igor, I, it's Igor, Igor, <laughs> damn your eyes, too late, you know, exactly, so, um, Abby Norman, yeah, so, you know, Sepultura, of course, is continuing, it's, it's a band that continued very successfully without him, believe it or not, even though he founded this band, Sepultura only has, like, two original members, really, um, all of the really crucial members that formed the band are not in the band anymore. So yes, anyway, let's hear a simple term. This song is called Machine Messiah. This features vocalists. What is your name? It's, uh, Derek Green. This features vocalist Derek Green. He's, he's American. I thought he was Brazilian because I saw them and he was like playing those like Brazilian drums, those bum, 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 bum. You know, I thought he was like, this guy must be Brazilian, but no, he's American. And uh, he, he, he's really kicks, you know, he kicks ass with that band. I mean, this song is definitely a much lighter song than what we're used to. But, you know, they do a lot of different stuff. And they're a good band. They have a very good drummer. And, um... So um what's the verdict on uh, Soulfly versus Sepultura? Uh, there's, there's some Soulfly songs I kind of like. Um, you know, they're, they still have that... That, like... I mean, they both have that Brazilian thing going on. But, you know, I think I like Soulfly. I don't know. I don't know. I have no opinion. I'm not good at these bands. I'm not good at them either. Interestingly enough, um, when they, after Max Calvera had left, they were considering um, Chuck Billy, um, Phil Demel from Machine Head and Violence, and uh, Mark Groove from Morgoth, whoever the fuck that is. And uh, they were basically considering a couple of different people before they got Derek Green, who was pretty much sort of like a nobody from Cleveland. So, you know, Sepultura is a band that continues on without their frontman, and their frontman, Max Calvera, is running free. Next. Oh, this guy. You know this guy. This guy is a frontman running free. Even though he doesn't do music anymore, he just speaks. And in one of his speaking engagements, he told me to buy a headlamp, and I did. And I don't regret it. He told me to buy a good one. Have you even used it? I will. I need it because there's no light in here, especially when I'm fixing my computer. I need to put the thing on to look inside the tower and because there's not enough light back there. So it's going to be very useful next time I happen to do that. That is such an old man thing. I happen to be... I and this guy, who you know as Henry Rollins, happens to be an old man. Now, is Henry Rollins really metal? No, but he is a, like it or not, him and his projects have been major inspirations to metal. And Rollins band is kind of metal. Rollins band is what is called alt metal, right? This is alt metal. What's alt metal? This. This is alt metal. Oh. Absolutely. This is a perfect example of alt metal. Uh, this is called Low Self Low Self Opinion. I always like this song. You know, his music is bad, but it's always, I always kind of, I, I know it's the catalog kind of well. Like, kind of in a, a way that you're okay with. Yeah, it's kind of cheesy. I mean, he, he missed though. He's not like that's why he stopped in in 2006. He stopped making music because he's like, I'm just not good at this. And he's, he's not a good singer. 
I mean, yeah, his poetry is kind of cheesy. Charisma, though. He does have a charisma. I never had any problem with his vocal. He has a lot of energy. Yes. And his delivery, his vocal delivery is very unique. You know, it's kind of cheesy and it's very stompy. It's very like heavy footed. It's not graceful, but that's his thing. He's not a graceful person. You know, he's a big klutz. But, um, of course, he was um, in a very important band called Black Flag. And his time in Black Flag was, of course, iconic. And he was not the original singer of Black Flag. He had replaced uh, Keith Morris. And he had been replaced by other people after he left. Um, they broke up. Yeah, they broke up, but then they got some guy later. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, of course, Black Flag is, of course, a famous, one of the most famous punk rock bands from Hermosa Beach, California. And they are, I think, major pioneers in metal. They formed SST Records. Greg Ginn, of course, formed SST. It's because of them we have St. Vitus, believe it or not. They, they were an SST um, band. And they have a lot, you know, to thank Black Flag for. Um, but this is Black Flag, and this song is... After Henry Rollins. Yeah. This is Black Flag after Henry Rollins, because they formed again. And this is kind of complicated because Black Flag kind of has, it's kind of a complicated story here. So Black Flag kind of has two different um, versions of themselves now. There's one with Greg Ginn, and he formed the band with some other guys. And all the other original members of Black Flag formed another band called Flag. Uh, that, you know, features of Keith Morris, Chuck Dukowski, and Bill Stevenson. Um, of course, those guys are, of course, famous in other bands now. Bill Stevenson was in the, uh, the Descendants. Mm -hmm. yeah, 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 and Keith uh, Morris was in a couple of things. Huh? But either way, and later up there, actually joined by Des Cadena, who was one of the original singers of Black Flag. And I have to play this one because it's so short, because as you expect, Black Flag songs are short. But uh, Greg Ginn basically was in a lawsuit with Rollins as well. He was involved in this because they were basically trying to make. Black flag paraphernalia and stuff like that. And, um, but anyway, it was decided that um, some a judge decided that uh, you know they were the people of flag were in their right because the the uh, logo had fallen into generic use, whatever that means, and um, can't prevent the use of it. So, but anyway, black flag, the original black flag, is back again today. And they originally got one of their original singers back, Ray Ray's, but he basically wasn't good at it, so he quit. And basically, he was taken over by some skater <laughs> named uh, Mark Valley, who's now the singer. And Black Flag is going to be doing a show in April 7th of this year in Dana Point, California. Dana Point? Dana Point, yes. <laughs> yes. So, Rosa Graphic, we were probably like around there. And um, basically, they're still around in 2019. So, beautiful Orange County. They're from Orange County, a very Orange County kind of band. But, you know, Greg Ginn is a very important uh, proponent of, I think, doom metal. If you ever listen to uh, My War Side B, it's um, a very important example of the origins of doom metal, I think. Like it or not. But there's so much we can say about this guitar. This guitar was always very, it was not it, It's so, it's metal, it's metal-ish, and it's just really... I, mean, I can relate to Greg Ginn's playing a lot. I play a lot like him. Like, I, I feel like a lot doing. of stuff came from Yeah. Not just metal. It's so noisy. It's so like out of control. Mm -hmm. So 
But, you know, this song, what was this song? I didn't even, uh, the song was called Slow Your Ass Down. It's from their, um, like, I think it's 2014 album um, called What The, and it looks like a really shitty album. And it's not very make good. Much of an impression. Yeah, it's, it's not very so yeah. the verdict, who, who wins? Greg Ginn or him? Oh, Rollins. Yeah, by far. Rollins, of course, is <laughs> iconic. Black flag. It's the black flag everyone knows. Yeah, and it was great. It was great. It was about the yeah, he will just stay. He was in Antarctica. And he will just stay in one spot for three hours. He won't move from that spot. He will just, sweat will just be dripping from him. It'll kind of be piling up under him. It'll be like kind of, you see like a puddle under him of sweat. He just doesn't move. He stays in the same spot for three hours. Doesn't even drink water. Just talks. Um, a, a man of a man of his age and that energy is really something to behold. So we should definitely see Henry Rollins if he's ever speaking near you. Um, of course, Henry Rollins also will tell you what bands to like as well. So be listening. If he tells you to like a band, you're supposed to like them. Okay. Uh, he's done that for many bands. So anyway, I can just talk about Henry. I have so many notes here on Henry, but I'm not really going to get into them. Um, it's a very interesting story in how he got into Black Flag. But anyway, let's let's just let's move on. What do we got next? Well, this is very important. And this is kind of a interesting add to this because this guy isn't a singer, but he is a front man nevertheless. Because and he never talks when, you know, the band is playing live, but however he you could tell he is in control. He is psychically controlling the singer. And this, of course, is Richie Blackmore with Rainbow. The song is called Tarot Woman. Uh, of course, Richie Blackmore was from the famous founder of the famous band Deep Purple. However, um, Deep Purple, of course, is going through a lot of issues, a lot of lineup changes. There's, of course, different Mark versions of Deep Purple, as you know, Mark 1, Mark 2, Mark 3. And after Mark 3, um, kind of after doing an experiment, he basically did a recording with Dio and liked it so much, he decided to just leave this creation, he, this festering creation he had created called Deep Purple and he formed the rainbow. He called it Richie's Blackmore's Rainbow, of course, just so you know, it's his, you know. And of course it was a lot more classically based than Deep Purple, you know. Of course, Richie Blackmore is an amazing guitar player. He's a major asshole, but he's a major excellent guitarist. One of the greatest guitarists ever to live. Way better than Jimmy Page, all you like, unintelligent Led Zeppelin fans. Um, and at least he's righteous enough to admit he steals things, unlike uh, someone else. So, um, and of course, Rainbow, of course, would go on to make Ron James Dio famous, who, in a way, maybe is a frontman running free on his own in some way. Um, you know, always being sort of passed between bands, I think, but nevertheless, you know, a legend in his own way. He was solo for a while, then of course would end up back in Black Sabbath. Why are you talking about him? You know, we're not gonna, we're not gonna really do. Richie I mean, Blackmore. it's tough because Richie yeah. Blackmore. I don't know if he's a, he's not a front man. He's more like the mastermind. Yes. Yeah. And he just, you know, he controls everything. And it's like you could make an argument that Deep Purple had no front man. Yeah, because um, the singers in Deep Purple were always disposable. They were changed three times, so you're clearly not the front man. You know. So, we're this is my favorite song on the playlist. Yeah, it's a good song. This is a very good song. Everything in Full Rainbow is pretty good, especially with Dio. So, but where did uh, Richard Blackmore come from? He came from this band, but this was, they of course, even though he formed the band, they continued after he left with a different guitarist, which is just insane. 
um, guitarist Tommy Bolin. It's totally expendable, Richie Blackmore. Yeah, just so we could yep. just get someone else in there. And of course, this was Deep Purple's pretty much their last album. Um, they were, of course, a mess of drugs at this point. A bloated, drug-addicted band. Kind of, you know, kind of like where Black Sabbath went. Same idea, only they did it sooner. Um, Tommy Bolin, of course, was kind of a nobody. He was kind of like this nobody guitarist, and they chose him to replace Richie Blackmore. And um, the, the band was really just headed downhill from that, and the, the, the concerts were basically subpar. And the band was pretty fucked at this point. Um, they made a public announcement in 1976 when they officially broke up for the first time. And later that year, um, Bolin had been doing a solo project of his own where uh, he was found dead. He, of course, tragically died of a drug overdose, um, you know, at 25 years old. So, you know, Deep Purple was pretty much dead at that point. But however, Deep Purple would form again in 1984 with the original Mark II lineup with Richie Blackmore back at the helm, along with Ian Gillen, um, John Lord, you know, Roger Glover, and Ian Pace. So that was and that was a very successful album when it came out. It was the Perfect Strangers album, of course. So and Blackmore would be with the band until '93, until he quit for good uh, <laughs> and formed Blackmore's Night. He was replaced by Steve Morse, who is still with the band today. We'd seen we saw Deep Purple recently. We saw Blackmore's Night recently. And we saw Blackmore's Night, which is a lot better than Deep Purple, probably. What? <laughs> Deep Purple, they're just sound. They're, they're like an overgrown barman. I don't know, they just aren't that good. We're fine. So old. So old. Fine. Stop being so old. You're old. They just weren't as good as Judas Priest. No. You can't put them in the same lineup with Judas Priest. People were leaving after Judas Priest. You know, not... Like everyone left, but you know, a good twenty percent of people left after Judas. All the old people stayed. Yeah, the old people were like, "Yeah, Deep Purple," you know. But I was, you know, I wasn't into it, and I kind of got thrown out too. Were you into Blackmore's Night? Yeah, you know, yeah, I was into that. It's interesting. Anyway, Blackmore. What's Blackmore doing now? He's doing um, Rainbow again, as well as Blackmore's Night. I was using musicians from Blackmore's Night, so people are kind of upset that it isn't too hard rock anymore. It's a little less hard rock, a little more classical, a little more renaissance like Blackmore's Night. That's what he's doing these days. But anyway, that was... I, I, I haven't been telling the names of the songs. I've been talking so fast. This song is called Coming Home. It's on the Come Taste the Band album. How, how suggestive. And, um... But I mean, so if you're going to compare them today, I mean, who's winning? Deep Purple or Richie Blackmore? It's a good question. Uh, because, well... I think it's Deep Purple. Yeah, they're playing kind of stadiums. They shouldn't be, I think, but they are. Um, and of course, Richard Blackmore's playing the Wellmont Theater. Or but I feel like he's just doing that like out of spite. He's like, I could do whatever I want. Probably. I'm choosing to play in this Renaissance yeah. band. I imagine he's really rich. So, you know, to 200 people. Yeah. I imagine. Because I can. I think, you know, he probably is really rich. I have no doubts that he is. I mean, and they used to, like, in their Deep Purple days, they were like flying around in jets and stuff. They were like really rich. You know, so it's kind of. You know, I guess it doesn't last, but... Anyway, so that is the story of Deep Purple. What do we got next? Let's move on. Let's take it home. Here is our famous son of Lodi, New Jersey. Glenn Danzig. You know this guy. This song is called Possessions from the first album. And, um, basically... Of course, Glenn Danzig is a frontman running free. He was in a famous band called The Misfits. And but he was doing Sam Hain when he was doing Sam Hain. Um, 
which came after the Misfits, actually, rather than Danzig. But um, Rick Rubin approached him to do an album. He was making basically, he wanted a band to sign to his Def Jam label. And um, he only wanted Danzig, though. He didn't want the rest of um, this sort of, um, you know, thing he was doing now. So uh, Danzig, of course, wanted to keep bassist Erie Vaughn from sampling. And he had a John Price and Chuck Biscuits from, used to be a Black Flag. And there you have Danzig. And that was the classic lineup of Danzig, the one that gave you all those hits. You know, this song, and um, this song, by the way, features James Hetfield, yeah, on um, backup vocals, where he goes, Possession, yeah. So, this was, you know, this wasn't Danzig not popular yet. Danzig, I decided to use this one. But, um, nevertheless, you know, not a bad album. Um, Danzig, of course, is still around today. Uh, and they're kind of a super group these days, uh, featuring Prong's Tommy Victor um, on guitar. Uh, Sam Haynes' original drummer, Steve Zing, who plays bass for them now, who I actually met at the show, at the Prong show. Um, Steve Zing was standing outside. I was talking to him. I'm like, because I recognize him from my Instagram. I'm like, are you Steve Zing? He's like, yeah. I'm like, oh, I just saw you. I'm like, oh. I kind of like didn't know he was the drummer for Sam Hain. You know, I just kind of treated him like this dude. I was like, oh, hey, man. You know, it's like, whoa, this guy was the drummer from Sam But, you know, he's currently in Danzig. And, of course, Typo Negative Johnny Kelly. So that makes the super group of Danzig these days. But uh, let's go to, uh, no, we actually don't have to go to the origins of, um, no, we do, because they continued on without Glenn Danzig. Well, they broke up in, say, like, 83, you know, they were kind of done, and, um, basically, it was just, you know, something that was over, and Danzig wanted to move on to Sam Hain. Um, they had been playing um, a show in Detroit with the Necros, obviously, and it was kind of a rough tour. They actually had been arrested for um, <laughs> uh, um, suspected grave robbing in New Orleans. They went to that, you know, they did that thing where they went to that cemetery and like did whatever there, and they got arrested for. And they bailed themselves out and they split. They did not go to their court case. They they split. The Misfits would go on to form again in the mid-90s with by um Doyle actually who's not in the Misfits anymore wanted to form them again and him and drummer David Calabrese also known as Dr. Chud who was in the band Calabrese Danzig of course did not was not interested he was too busy being successful with Danzig so they uh after asking a few different people including Dave Vanian from The Damned who declined uh, they found a young 19-year-old singer from New Jersey named Michael Emanuel, also known as Michael Graves, who is singing here in this song, Dig Up Her Bones. And um, he basically learned the songs really quick and um, did a pretty good job. And I don't hate this album, you know? A lot of people are like, oh, this isn't dancing. I mean, it's not the Misfits, you could say, but it's not bad. It's not bad. I, I, I always liked it. It's very catchy, you know? Um, Graves took a hiatus from the band in 1998, and this is funny, because this guy's a local guy, I know this guy, he's kind of a local idiot. Um, Mike Itzizoni, also known as Mike Hideous from the band Empire Hideous, for all you Empire Hideous, um, alumni that are listening, uh, yes, Mike Hideous was in the Misfits briefly, I don't think he worked out very well, but that's another story. So, but, that is the story of the Misfits, and of course, they are, I mean, you know, kind of, uh, 
Yes. And of course, they have done these major arena shows recently, <laughs> back with Danzig, of course, which are just these big money grabs between um, Jerry Only and Glenn Danzig. There was some part of this where, like, I was reading here where there was something about Doyle escorting someone out of the. <laughs> uh, so, Danzig, oh, okay, so Danzig had selected as a drummer, that's just this part was funny, Brian Damage. Um, genocide and verbal abuse to be the band's drummer, but he came up so drunk, Doyle had to escort him off stage. This is a picture that's funny to me. Doyle's like, You need to come with you. I would like to escort you off the stage. You know, like, imagine Doyle just telling you that, like, you're, you know, I am removing you from the premises. But yeah, that was basically the Misfits Lash. I thought that was funny. Doyle just escorting someone off stage. You know, he's this huge guy. He's like, Come with me. Doyle asked you to leave. Doyle asked you to leave, dude. You better leave. So that was the end of the Misfits, anyway. But you know, they formed again with Michael Emanuel, who wasn't bad, and uh, he only lasted like two albums. So, and of course, the Misfits kind of went on before they got back with Danzig. Jerry only was doing the Misfits, you know, to mixed results. I don't know. They were okay. I saw them with Jerry only. They're more of a cover band. They're like a cover band of the Misfits, but I don't know. They were okay. Jerry only, he's singing for them. He's not. He wasn't terrible. Whatever. It's the Misfits. So, they're a fixture. They're a religion around here, as you all know. So let's This here is Songs Called Sickness. It is by famous frontman Phil Alsamo. This is called this is his first solo band really. Uh, he's been in many, but this is his most significant. He was doing this during Pantera kind of. I mean they didn't make an album until Pantera was done. It's called Super Joint Ritual. Songs called Sickness by the band Super Joint Ritual. Featuring um another verve pretty famous people in the New Orleans scene, including um, Jimmy Bauer, if I hate God, uh, even joined by Hank Williams III. So, I'm super joint. So, um, they were doing this during Pantera, of course. And this is like the real, what Phil was doing in Pantera is very kind of different than how he really thinks. Um, of course, Pantera was one of those legendary bands, but by, you know, the late 90s, you know, even though they kept metal sort of going in the 90s, they were kind of done by the late 90s. That was it. And basically, Phil was just knocked into the band anymore because I think, you know, he has a very different um, take on music than the, uh, the Daryl Brothers. You saw yeah, what but, they had rocked with Moonville? Yeah. Like, this is our fault? Yeah, well, I think, well, I think the, um, the Abbott Brothers were into that. You know, and I think Phil is more into that New Orleans scene. That's what I'm saying. That's why yeah. they put Pantera exists. Yeah. Of course, you know, Pantera, of course, would not exist. However, the Abbott Brothers, of course, performed Damage Plan, which you could might continue. Of course, they were playing small clubs, of course, not arenas. You know. And, of course, that were tragically... Dimebag was shot with a small club by some lunatic fan who kind of... They kind of blamed Phil for coaxing this guy to do it in something he said, which I don't think is really fair. But. What do you think of the song? I don't know. Yeah, I'm not really. I'm not into his His stuff is really grindcore. It's like really noisy stuff. Like he's into some really aggressive stuff and it's hard for me to really get into. It's not as like groovy like I Hate God. It's like kind of just like, Ugh! you know, his name is good. Anyway, Phil um, made like couple of band, a couple of albums with um, Super Joint, and he would do, like I said, many, 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 many other um, 
solo projects. He was in Down, of course, you know, but that was in the 90s. He was in Scour, he was in a new thing called Phil Osama and the Illegals, who I saw. But, you know, very noisy. But that's what he's doing now, and he's still doing it today. And sadly, both Abbott brothers are no longer with us. So the other guy, Rex Brown, apparently if he drinks another drop of alcohol, he'll die. So you're not getting Pantera anymore, okay? For all of you people holding on to that part of your life. So. Phil Alzama wins by default. Phil Alzama wins. There is no Pantera. But he's a front man running free, right? He's important. What do we got well, next? Well, he made it. He survived the band breaking up. He did. You know? Yes. Yes. This guy's important. This guy's Very name. Important. The song is called Haunted, by the way. This guy's name, Kim Bendix Peterson. Oh, yes. Kim Bendix Peterson. And you might know him as. He has royalty. He's a king. He's the king of diamonds. <laughs> king Diamond. He's a Danish musician. He has a Euro pass. And uh, he's a vocalist. Known for his. Ah! Falsetto. There he goes. That was kind of weak. But uh, he formed King Diamond in 1985, uh, along with Merciful Fate guitarist Michael Denner, who's not in the band. And um, he departed from Merciful Fate, which uh, fell apart between, you know, because of musical difference between other guitarists, Hank Sherman. And um, so he took Denner, the other guitarist, and decided to form uh, King Diamond. And he would, um, of course, recruit um, future Motorhead drummer Mickey D, who is now the drummer of the Scorp- of Scorpions, not the Scorpions, it's the Scorpions, it's the Scorpions, not the Scorpions, and famous guitarist who's still with him today, Andy LaRocco. Um, King Diamond, of course, is still playing today, that's what King Diamond does, he just does King Diamond, and he is very, um, tells stories in his songs, he tells these narratives, as well as the Merciful Fate is more like simpler songs, you know, King Diamond is always telling you a story. Sometimes the songs are a little too long, maybe a little too. What do you think? What, I know mean, you like these guys more than Merciful Fate. No. Do you like Merciful Fate more? Yes. I, I like Merciful Fate. I always like Merciful Fate better. I just like King Diamond more than you do. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm not like. I've never been terribly into him. You know, I, I Merciful Fate is my band. You know, King Diamond. I was like, this song. What is this song's too long? You know, and it's not as like evil sounding as does metal sounding. So it's been a little bit glittery. And that's why King Diamond is a, is a recipient of the Europass, and we'll get into that in another episode. That's what that is. Some of the songs are a little tacky, you know? I'm okay with a little glitter, but yeah, Merciful glittery. Fate is, you know, one of the best things. Absolutely. Merciful Fate is now. one of the best things that ever happened. And they have very punk rock beats, but we're not going to get into that yet. Um, Merciful Fate, of course, was formed in... Copenhagen, Denmark, in 1981, and they are one of the most important, say, I guess kind of new wave British heavy metal bands, you might say, even though they're from Denmark. Um, like we said, Hank Sherman and Michael Denner formed that band, and they got a guy named Kim Peterson from a band called The Brats, who you should listen to. King Diamond has very punk rock roots, so um, definitely one of the most important bands in all of metal. Of course, like I said, they would break up in 1985, King Diamond would be a front man running free, and though Merciful Fate would form again in the 1990s, and I believe they got back together maybe like 10 years ago briefly, but it's not going to be a thing though. It's definitely, I remember seeing them. They actually made a few more albums in the 1990s when I saw them. I used to see them in small clubs, which I've told you about a hundred times. You're like, okay, I know. And it was 
was no big deal. It was no big deal. We didn't have to get tickets in advance. We would just go see King Diamond at a small club, a small club called the Wetlands in Lower Manhattan we used to go to. It was right there. It's like on a small stage, King Diamond, right there. Those were the days, people. They'll never live them again. Those days are over. Now King Diamond plays on these, you know, big stages. It's like a big deal now. Whatever, that's what happens. That's good, because metal is sort of revered now. There's certain people in metal that are kind of considered legends, and they're put up on a pedestal, and King Diamond is one of them, right? Just like Rob Halford. Same thing. He deserves it. He deserves it. You earned it. Let's hope King Diamond fight starts another fight with Manowar and kicks their ass. Next. This is, of course, they call him the Prince of Darkness. I don't know why. He's just a guy. It's Ozzy Osbourne. John Ozzy Osbourne. This song is called You Looking At Me, Looking At You. It's a good song. This is like an added song. If you listen to the original version of Blair Javaz, this song was not on it. So I only heard this song maybe like five years ago for the first time when they sort of reissued this album. And it's like the best song on the album. So, what do you think? I, I like this song. I don't know the best song on the album, but. I think it's the best song. I really like it. But Mr. Crowley's a good song. Good too. Yeah, the, the bass player, Bob Daisy, of course, was. We did a whole episode on this album. Um, of course, this was Ozzy's first project after he was fired. I wouldn't say unfairly fired from Black Sabbath. He was kind of a mess. Um, you know, he had actually left the band originally um, to start this band called Blizzard of Oz, uh, a name suggested by his father. And uh, basically, he was going to do it with the members of Necromandis, which would have been really amazing. I would have loved to hear that. Um, but eventually, Ozzy was fired um, when he came back. You know, he, you know, there was a lot of drugs in the band at that, but the band was kind of a mess. So basically, at the end of the Never Say Die tour in 1978, where Van Halen was opening for Black Sabbath and kicking the shit out of Black Sabbath, by the way, every night, understandably, um, Black Sabbath was kind of in decline. You know, they got rid of Ozzy. Um, but it's funny, you know, Sharon Arden, her father, uh, was actually a Black Sabbath manager. So it's kind of funny, you know, that Sharon, you know, the daughter was managing Ozzy, managing Ozzy's various parts. So um, Ozzy, of course, would go on to be a solo. I mean, he is, I guess, the definition of what a lot of people think metal is, even though Ozzy is kind of degraded into this evolution of metal, which I like to call Ozzy metal. I um, mean, it's really its own thing. It really became prevalent in the 90s, the sound of Ozzy metal, you know, because it's its own thing, you know, it's really bad. But Ozzy, of course, came from, you know, one of the bands that really helped pioneer what metal was, and that, of course, is Black Sabbath. But of course, Black Sabbath didn't stop after Ozzy left. They were only getting started. And um, they, of course, got Ron James Dio, of course, immediately after. Everyone knows that. We've heard him a million times. Let's go into a little more obscure album. We're going to skip Ron, the two albums at Ron James Dio. We're going to go right into Born Again, which I always liked. You know, people hate this album. Of course, where Deep Purple vocalist Ian Gillen was singing for them. And this is an important album because Black Sabbath was actually back together during this album. During Dio, they had Vinny Apice on drums. They have Bill Ward back on this. This is actual um, Black Sabbath 
with the singer of Deep Purple, which I always thought was kind of like this amazing thing. It didn't work well. Ian Gillen kind of hated being in the band. I think Ian Gillen ended up in the band due to like him being drunk with Tony Iommi. Tony Iommi saying, hey, you want to be in my band? Okay, you know, and they're, they made what people consider a very bad Black Sabbath. I always like this song. This song is called Trashed. Find the video for this song. It is the coolest metal video ever. There's like Nazi zombies chasing after this drunk kid and just cars crash. It's just metal. It's just the coolest video I've ever seen. You know, so before you make fun of it, um, it, has, it, it has something. But this album, of course, did not do well. And Ian Gillen only lasted for one album. They would, of course, uh, after this, they would sort of go on this downhill thing. Next album, I think, would be um, Second Star. What is it called? Uh, well, what they had, it was it was definitely, basically the only member in the band was Tony Iommi. Featured Glenn Hughes on vocals, which was a great musician with Deep Purple, but not so good with Black Sabbath, I might have to say. Um, and Black Sabbath would go on to Tony Martin in the 90s. Black Sabbath wouldn't really come back until Ozzy came back with them in the late 90s, who I, I saw the reunion in the late 90s with Ozzy. I'm old. I told you about that a hundred times. Actually, no, I've never heard that story hey! before. Yes, you did. You're no, lying. No, I'm not. Really? I saw never, Black Sabbath. I never knew you saw Black Sabbath. Really? I don't believe I didn't tell you that. Okay, I'm going to tell you now. I saw Black Sabbath. You're kidding me. I'm not. Okay. Tell I saw me. Black Sabbath. Tell me about the In like 98 or 99, they played at Giant Stadium. Pantera opened for them. And the Deftones. Yeah, I saw Pantera. They were like a little dot. And of course, last year I saw... Phil Alsamo, like right in front of me at, at um, St. Vitus, which was kind of just surreal. But yeah, so I saw Black Sabbath with all the original members. This actually, they, they actually had Bill Ward playing for them, which, you know, when they when they stopped, you know, when they wrapped it up last year, they had some other guy. They didn't have Bill Ward. He apparently wasn't allowed to play, whatever. But, you know, you all know Black Sabbath. You know the legend of Black Sabbath. And this is an example of them continuing on without their frontman. And their frontman running free would go on to be the biggest legend in metal, <laughs> whether he liked it or not. So whether he's aware of it or not. I mean, I think the general populace would say Ozzy won. But who do we think won? Uh, no, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I think Black Sabbath wins. At the end, I mean, in I the love, end. I love Dio Black Sabbath. Yeah, oh yeah. I decided to skip it just to bring light to this. Otherwise, naturally, That's you should fine. go to Dio. But, you know, and Dio, of course, was great. Like, no one had a problem with Dio albums. That's not legal. <laughs> you can't have a problem with Dio's um, with my rules. And, um... Because, I mean, like, yeah, Black Sabbath went through a hard time in the 90s. Yes, they were kind but of... But what was Ozzy yeah. doing? Ozzy was very popular. Yeah, but... Was Still. Ozzy metal? He was, he was Ozzy metal, which somehow now works. Are we going to give that a victory? Well, you know, you know why Ozzy was really popular? He made Ozfest, which was friendly to all the new metal bands. And it always promoted Ozzy was just always did well because he changed his style to be Ozzy metal, which worked in the nineties somehow. Even though it's terrible music. Well, yeah, it so, just worked. Yeah, Ozzy had like the, you know, the objective victory. Yes. But I think Black Sabbath had, had the moral victory. Yes. They won the war. <laughs> Ozzy won the battle. Sabbath won. When both bands are wrapping it up, which Ozzy claims he's doing now to make more money, um, at the end, you know, they both both these bands are ending, I say Black Sabbath won the war. Next. Oh, this guy. Uh, legend in metal, of course. One of the... And, and a renaissance man. The guy flies a 747. I am so... Go on. <laughs> yeah. Bruce Dickinson. You know, 
famous vocalist of Iron Maiden. Uh, he went on a solo project in the 90s, if you believe it or not, and I saw him, actually. I saw Bruce Dickinson playing at a small club in Old Bridge, New Jersey. I forgot what it was called. Birch Hill, I think. Uh, in a small stage. And he, I remember him having... I remember him, he was climbing on the monitor. He was so energetic. And I was kind of amazed by it, even though he was playing his terrible songs that no one cared about. Like, it was just an amazing show. Just to see Bruce Dickinson in a small club, which you'll never have, you'll never see again. So, I have many tales of metal in my life. People just ask me, write to me, ask me, what did you see? I'll tell you. Um, so this is Bruce Dickinson with his balls to Picasso album. I don't know, what does that mean? Well, if you look on the album cover, you see that he has two squares um, drawn there. So that's, you know, Picasso is a cubist. Yes. It's a pretty highbrow joke. Bruce Dickens is a highbrow guy. And that's what he named his first solo album. Well, it's actually not his first solo album, technically. Yeah. But the one before this came out while he was still in Iron Maiden wasn't like leaving or anything he just made it as you know okay. a very important means of self-expression so yes. he could put out really shitty music bruce dickinson is into impressionist artists false picasso's first album where he was on his own out of the bank out of iron maiden so and um this song is called change of heart and it's just not that good it was same it's not that good either. yeah he's just not He's tired, you know? He did this whole thing with this legendary band, Iron Maiden. And of course, this is a point where even Iron, you know, the Black Album is out, and the metal is kind of going down. No one cares about Iron Maiden anymore. And for reference, the right before this, like the last song that Bruce Dickinson wrote for Iron Maiden was Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter. It's kind of weak. This is a guy that wrote Flight of Icarus. It's not in the Pantheon. Yeah. Did he write Flight of Icarus? I, oh, I imagine he had to. I, don't, I actually don't think he Those did the other a lot guys? of I don't think he did a lot of writing for Really? Iron the other guys Maiden. did all the intellectual like, work too? Whenever I've read about Iron Maiden, it's always like Bruce would butt, head with, butt heads with Steve Harris because he felt like his important creative contributions weren't taken into account hmm. very often. So did he not write all the like literary, like, was it like Steve and maybe Adrian Smith I don't know, he, he might have read the lyrics. Uh, I don't know yeah, that, I think, but, yeah, I think, you know, some of like, the lyrics are... Like, if we, for example, move on to the Iron Maiden song, you know, you'll hear that that has elements that are, you know, of course the vocals suck. Yes. But it still sounds like Iron Maiden. Yes. Because Bruce Dickinson is not that sound. Yeah, it's Steve Harris. And of course, you know, Adrian. Yes, yes. So let's go with I, Iron Maiden, of course, didn't stop. Of course, the real power behind Iron Maiden, of course, is Steve Harris and um, their army of guitarists. Um, and they continued on with a guy named Blaze Bailey in, um, uh, in 1994. They recruited Blaze Bailey. To replace Bruce Dickinson. And of course, you can hear Blaze Bailey here. This song, of course, is called Future Real from, um, you know, it kind of sounds like um, Biff Byford. It's weak. I don't like Biff Byford. I mean, he doesn't compare very well to Bruce Dickinson. No. Not at all. Yeah, this is, um. Like, you can really hear it on this chorus. Like, this chorus is, like, written for Bruce. It's, it's weak. He's, like, so weak. He's just he's trying to do that. Uh, but I think if they got a really good vocalist. I think Iron Maiden could have gone on without Bruce Dickinson. Yeah, if they had a strong vocalist, this guy is not it. And I believe Blaze Bailey is still doing things. He obviously, he's doing different things today because Iron Maiden would, of course, get back together with Bruce Dickinson, which they are still doing today, and they are flying around in 747s that Bruce Dickinson is flying. And, um, you know, we saw them last year. or was the year before that. 
this uh, ghost opening for them. They're still making albums that no one probably really cares about. However, when they tour, people want to see Iron Maiden because actually they're touring again this year, right? With um, yes, they are. With what were they touring? They're touring. Did we know where they were touring? Yeah, but you know they're still a big deal. No, I mean people like to see Iron Maiden. They want to hear those classics. Do they care about Iron Maiden's new album? Iron Maiden I doubt play it. Play the classics. Well, they they want to promote their new stuff, which they really should. Just play the Tail Gunner, play the Run to the Hills song, play the they Trooper play, song. They, they play the Trooper, but that's the most feel-good song. Yeah. Play. People want to hear that, Iron Maiden. I, I don't think they want to hear that they new play thing. Ace is High. Ace is High. But People, other than that, they want to play, like, some, you know, not their best cut songs, yeah. and some new stuff. People don't want to hear, like, that new album. It's not bad. It's just not... That's what happens when you're an old man, man. Like, no one wants to hear that new album of yours. It's just the way it is. You know, so, I mean, you know, you're not... And there's a fine line between them and, like, Metallica, where people do want to hear the new stuff. It's like a fine line. It's a very weird thing. Border, you know? Because they're not much older than, you know, maybe 10 years apart, so, age-wise. Anyway, this guy wasn't that good. So, Iron Maiden, of course, realized that after a short time, and it was, um... I still say that, you know... Them with Boys Barely was better than anything Bruce Dickinson did. Yes, yeah, it's still Iron Maiden. You know, it's still Steve Harris powering, powering that sound. So, anyway, we have next legend. <laughs> we have um, Rob Halford with his first solo project. Um, he would go to a different one by with the same name as him. But this was a band called Fight, which occurred upon his departure from Judas Priest in the early 1990s. And uh, this wasn't bad. His first solo um, attempt, this song is called Nailed to the Gun. Um, and I remember like him making videos for this stuff. And I remember being like, oh, this is kind of heavier than Priest. Though Priest was in a very heavy stage. I mean, yeah, it's kind of like right out of Painkiller. Yeah, and Painkiller was an unusually... And we're gonna do an episode on bands that got heavy again, and Judas Priest is one of them. Like, Painkiller was was shockingly heavy for a band in decline. It was like, you know, because like, they got this new drummer, Scott Travis, who was really a ass kicker. So, and Rob Halford would, of course, go on to his solo stuff called Halford, which he would continue with before, of course, he returned to Judas Priest, which he is in today, which we saw recently. And, of course, they're, you know, they're in the pantheon of metal. They're a legend, and they always will be. Of course... You know, Judas Priest, of course, after Rob Halford's departure, did not stop playing. Because there's a lot more to Judas Priest than Rob Halford, of course. There's a lot more members that power this band. You know, including Glenn Tipton, who was a major part of this band. Who unfortunately is too ill to be in the band anymore. However, Rob Halford, getting into detail, Rob Halford left the band in 1991. There were tensions with the band. Um, you know... And of course, that's when Rob Halford went to start fight. And the band went on. And um, here's how they sounded. And um, they would get a guy by the name of Tim Ripper Owens, who um, was formerly in a Judas Priest tribute band called British Steel, of course. And um, he wasn't terrible. He was in two albums. He was in Jugulator and uh, Demolition. 
which, um, you know, it was in the late 90s. Judas Priest was as good, like most metal bands, Judas Priest was as good as dead, like most classic metal bands. New metal was ruling the streets at this time. It was a very dark time in metal. You know, you had to deal with Fred Durst on the airwaves, for God's sakes. You had to deal with Corey Taylor, for God's sakes. You had to deal with that fucking guy from Disturbed with that thing on his face. He had to deal with Nickelback. He had to deal with Static X. He had to deal with Lincoln Park. He had to deal with Mud Van. Right. <laughs> okay. No, it was them. Yeah, Puddle of Mud as well, right? I think that singer went to jail. Christian Rock. This song is bad. Hail Satan. Fuck you, Christian Rockers. Anyway. Um, by the way, today is, um, we're, we're recording this on, um, I can't say the word. What's, what, what's going on today? I'm, apparently, I'm not allowed sports to. Ball. Sports ball contest is going on today. Why are we talking today. about sports ball? I just thought this was funny. Um, the sports ball contest is going on today. <laughs> um, the big game of the sports ball contest. Apparently, it's, co- it's, it's trademarked and you can't say it. Not that anyone's listening to this. But someone, they'll, they'll probably listen when I say it. They probably have something that detects it, you know? And um, I just was never into it. That's all alien thing to me, you know? To you as well. Yeah. Yes, this is an alien thing. I don't get it. Anyway, Roger Waters had, had I'm gonna get political here. Roger Waters had, um, he had uh, requested that all those stupid bullshit bands playing on the halftime show, including Adam Levine, a bunch of other worthless artists. Rune 5. Rune 5. He had urged them all to kneel. That's why you will never play the Super Bowl, Roger Waters. But I couldn't agree with Roger Waters more. You know, as, as annoying as Roger Waters gets, you know, like, I would love to see them all kneel. That is not going to happen because they're a bunch of corporate monkeys. They never will do that. But that would be amazing if they all did that to ruin the sports ball contest. Like, imagine the news. Imagine all the people that would get triggered on that. That would be amazing. Like, you know, Adam Levine just starts kneeling for no reason that he understands. <laughs> but, Let's talk about Judas Priest. I know. I just thought that was funny. I just wanted to mention that. But Judas Priest. Of course, Rob Halford would get back to Judas Priest. And, of course, they are legends today. And whatever happened to Rip Owens, I don't know. He's doing something. I feel like it's kind of sad because it seems like I always got the impression that Rob Halford left because like he was in the band for so long and they all knew he was gay. Yeah. And he wanted to come out and they they would like pressure him not to. Yeah. So like you know that's why he was had all the problems with alcohol before he got clean. Yes. And he, I guess he probably just reached the breaking point. And it's like you listen uh, to it, you like you listen to fight. It's like it's very similar to Painkiller. It's like he, he still... didn't leave for artistic differences. Like he left because you know. He was with these guys for so long. Well, let him be, you know, he didn't come out until being gay until 1998. I, know. Well, I, I, I can't I, imagine like what he went through to get to that point. I, I always thought it was sooner than that. Like I, I think in the 90s I realized he was gay. I'm like, I think that guy's. I didn't, you know, I was like, I think that guy's gay, you know. But in the 80s I didn't know what gay. I was like, oh, what's? I was kind of like, what's with that? I guess that's metal, oh, huh? The unthinkable with that. Yeah. In, in metal, I think metal by 1998 was that was fine. But in the 80s, like, that wasn't, yeah, I could see why 
I think I think Glenn Tipton. I think '98 still pretty early. Yeah, for, I think like, so. Someone like Rob Halford in the It was big world. news. It was it was big news. People were like, "Whoa, really?" And and some people were like, "Why are you saying really?" Um, but then you see, like he's he, he's happily back in Judas Priest yeah. now that you know he went through all this shit. Yeah, it's, and that's it's just sad that it you know it had to happen in the first place. Yeah, and it's important that you know he's happy now and he's comfortable with himself. I think I think Glenn Tipton's gay too. I think he is. I, I just I feel like he would have come out. By I now. feel like he's not. <laughs> I don't know. I just haven't. Be- he's you know he's not he's not married or anything. Like he's not. He's very sick now. Feeling, you know, I'm not bashing him or anything. I think it's awesome, and he doesn't have to come out. It's fine. But I just have this feeling that he's gay, you know, and it's fine. I think, you know, there were more than one gay, and of course, Dave Holland, drummer, was also like kind of creepily gay. He was like, you know, going after kids and stuff. He was gay too. Dave That's called being a pedophile. Yeah, he's a pedophile. He doesn't gay. He's a gay pedophile. As opposed to a non-gay pedophile. You know, either way. He was thrown out of the band because of that. He's died, he died, though. This is a long song. I know, this is a very long song. This, this song does not they're, need to be this long. They're really trying. Yeah, with, you know, with Ripper Owens, you need to just move the songs along, okay? He's not. This is why you guys weren't successful. In 1990, you know, in like, this is like the late 90s, and you're making long metal songs. No one cares, Judas Priest. New metal bands are making these radio-friendly songs. Wonder why you're not popular, okay? No one has. I to... mean, there was no audience for this. There's no audience for this. Judas Priest like... fans were not there. They were gone. I mean, I don't think it's a coincidence that like all of these frontmen left in the 90s. Yeah, that, most of them were in the 90s because. It's like if you know if their bands yeah. were doing amazingly, maybe they would move up to Yeah, they were like, hey, I need to try something else. I need to feed myself. I can't. You know, these guys are heading for a grave. I need to do something else. You know, I'm really the power of this band. So, yeah, that makes sense. If you look at most departures, it's in the 1990s. And we gotta do an episode on, you know, the low point of metal bands. And of course, most of those, of course, will take place in the 90s and early 2000s. It wasn't until the early 2000s where metal woke up again. So, enough with you. Next is, this is a a little addition for our final guy. This is Phil Lining. Of course, Phil Lynott was not a metal guy, he was a hard rock guy, but his influence on metal is unquestionable. And of course, he was with Finn Lizzy for the longest time. And, um, you know, upon his departure, I mean, it wasn't really a departure, Finn Lizzy basically broke up. Uh, but Phil Lynott was experimenting with solo projects. It was good friend Gary Moore, uh, who's also passed away. Um, this is Phil Lynott's song called Old Town. And this, as you see here, he's going for an 80s kind of new age song. It's a good song. I really like this song. And I just had to include Phil Lynott here. Because I never in my episodes, I really got to talk about Phil Lynott, rarely. So when I'm like, I'm talking about Phil Lynott. Just do a Thin Lizzy episode. Yeah, because Thin Lizzy is just the best. They really are. You know, Phil Lynott was just the coolest dude ever. Not that I knew him, but he was just, you know. Just look at, just look at that guy. He's just cool. You know, he dresses in that little tie. You know. By this time, when Phil, you know, of course, Thin Lizzy broke up in the early days because they were so strung out on drugs. I mean, Phil Lynott was just a fucking mess and eventually killed him. Uh, he didn't die of a heroin overdose, but he died as a result of just being... His body just broke down. Yeah. Just, all the abuse. He used to actually shoot heroin into his feet so he wouldn't, because he had no, like, 
you know, and, uh, you know, his solo stuff was good, but he was kind of just on a decline. And, uh, it's sad because he didn't get much time to run free. So. He didn't, yeah. He was, he had nothing else to do, so he had to run free. He couldn't, you know, he could not do anything else. So, I mean, money wasn't, you know, I'm pretty sure when he died, he was living at home with his mother. Like, he was just down and out. You know, he wasn't, he was like forgotten. He died in 1986, of course. And, uh, we just give a shout out to Phil Lining, the best never heard this song before. It's a, I love this it's song. It's a good song. I always play this song. Anytime it's Phil Lyons' birthday, I'll always put this video on, on, on Facebook. Do this in secret. Yeah, I, I've done it. I didn't do it this year, but I always put this up. It's like, remember Phil Lyons, everyone. You know, because I like this song. It's a good song. Just watch the video. It's a good video. Hola. Actually, you know who covers this song? The chorus covers this song. Remember the Irish girls? No. They're like an Irish folk band, a bunch of girls. This is, but they were like a family. Yeah, they were like a family. It was a bunch of Irish girls and their brother. And they I'm would, surprised you know. I, I saw it because I was looking on YouTube and I found and it came up. I was like, oh, the chorus of this song. Oh, the chorus. The chorus. Do you remember? They were like, like the, they were kind of like, you know, when like Dolores A. Rorden was popular. Like, they were like, oh, look, other Irish. They're like, oh, look, other Irish people. You know? Like Irish wave. Yeah, it was like a little bit of an Irish wave. It was really small. You know, and I just wave. Potatoes all around. I'm sorry, Irish people. No, you, I can make fun of you, Irish people. You potatoes. Yes, you do. I saw you making fun of you. St. Patrick's Day is coming up. And uh, my band has a show. I'm going to tell you all. It's at VSW Hall in Hawthorne. If you care. Enough. Anyway, these songs are over. We did it. We did it. That's it. That's it with the playlist, people. No, don't play anymore. Okay. So, yeah. That was the playlist of... Front man running free. And we've learned a lot about music today. The origins of bands and the degradation of bands, mostly. And I think that was a very interesting episode. Very informative episode. What do you think? There's a lot of ego in this episode. There's a lot of ego with front men. Yes. And bands. It just um, wrecked so much, you know. You, so many bands just torn apart. Yeah. By people not thinking they didn't have enough creative input. That's what happens. Disagreeing. So is the singer's, you know, creative input. That's what, Needing yeah. more control. That's what happens with most of these bands. It's like, hey, you're not, you know, but, I'm having musical differences with you. But does that enrich our lives? Yeah, it's important to that. To have all these solo careers. Yeah, it's important that these bands, if they're not going to work together, then they need to, like, explode. They need to burn down. They need to burn it down. And you need to, front man need to run free, you know, in order to keep the progression of music going, the progression of metal going. Otherwise, things would stagnate and they would all die. So think of it like as a disease and maybe the singer is a disease. It needs to be cut free and, you know, start over. Sometimes that's important. And many of these Vocalists, some of them were not successful in their solos. Some of them were hugely successful. And some bands ended because of it. Some bands flourished because of I think the nicest story was our first one with Udo and Accept. And that. Yeah. In the it, present day, they're both touring. Yeah, that's a fair story. That they it's both a very won. fair, it's a very nice story. Yeah, and both bands are, you know, both are very respected in metal. You know, Udo, like, no one hates it. Like, everyone's like, oh, Udo, he's so cool, you know. Like he's just uh, 
he did some video recently about like I, I was watching it on YouTube. It's about like the veterans or something in wars. He was like honoring all the veterans of I don't know whose war. He <laughs> may be some European, I don't know, Germany or something. I don't know. But like, Day? Yeah, something like that. It looked, you know, nice. It was like he was singing with all these people. You know, he's being very he's being nice. Udo. Nice story. Everyone likes Udo. Udo is just like this little crunched up ball of metal. Like he's just like this compressed human. You know, it's like somebody just took a human and they just crushed him with gravity and like they got Udo. He's an ugly dude. He's just a funny looking dude. He's a funny looking head. I don't make fun of Udo. His head is so thick. He's like a little like <laughs> bulldog. He's like a little German bulldog. He's like, you know, instead of, you know, he just barks in German though. He's like, Ein! Ein! Let's end this show. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks again for listening. Be sure to follow us on social media, on Twitter. At here. I don't use Twitter. Who you Like, it's, I don't get Twitter. Like, our president is on it, and he does, like, he understands this thing, and he's like 71, and I don't, because I think it's pointless. But it's there, and maybe I'll put something. Like, I can't really say anything in a sentence. I'm just, my brain's bigger than that, Mr. President. Like, I, I just need to talk. I can't put it down into a sentence. I was never good at edit. As you can hear by listening to this show, I was never good at cutting things down. And I'm, so Twitter, the idea of Twitter just doesn't really work for me. We're available also on Facebook, which I put most of our garbage on. Here Lies Metal. Facebook, at Here Lies Metal. You know, I'll put things on there, which I mostly steal from other metal sites. You know, except for that video on Trump. I made that myself, actually. I, I edited that, that Trump talking about peace deal. I bet that would do well on Twitter. Yeah, I, should, I, did, I didn't put that out on the internet. I just kept it for, you know, my fans. And it was kind of, you know, afraid to, I think maybe like the peace deal fans might get mad at me or something. <laughs> they be like, hey, man, that's not cool. He's dead. You know, I was afraid they'd get triggered and then I'd be internet shame. You can't be afraid. I know. You want to make, make it big. You, you do. You have to take risks. The internet's a dangerous place, people. You say one wrong thing, you're fired from your fucking job. Okay? It's all you can say is one true. thing. It doesn't even got to be like a racist thing. It could be anything. Okay? It could be like the wrong thing that triggers the wrong person and you're done. You know? So, also available on Instagram. At here. Metal lies here on Instagram. Uh, I post things on and email me herelasmetal at gmail.com tell me about stuff tell me about ideas you have tell me about metal shows you went to tell me about how much you hate me tell me about how much you hate metal I don't know what do you think about what I don't know what should they write about what should they tell me about the people out there they should email their suggestions, suggestions. what they want to hear about what do you want to hear about people want to hear stories of metal want to hear me do more I have to do another documentary for you that takes a lot of research though you know, it's easy for me to just play songs at you and babble over them as opposed to find out in depth. Email you to get the girl off the podcast. Get, no, the girl stays, <laughs> people. The girl is the best thing for this podcast. Remember when I was here alone, how nervous I was? I'm not nervous anymore. She protects me from this stupid microphone. Um, yeah, I should do, you know, a documentary. Like, But, you know, to find facts on the Acid King killer takes a long time, which I'm going to do one day. We're going to talk about the Acid King Killer and other Satan worshippers in metal and other people in metal. Anything that has to do with metal and Satan and stuff like that. My voice is going. Be sure to describe 
be sure I said describe. Be sure to subscribe to Here Lies Metal on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and now Spotify. I like being on Spotify. It makes me feel good because it's the one I use. Don't forget to rate us, even if you hate us. If this podcast sucks, only you have the power to destroy it. Finally, it's my passion to bring you, listener, these tales of metal. However, if you'd like to support the show, your donations are highly appreciated. You can find me at patreon.com forward slash here lies metal. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. Thank you very much for doing the show with me, Samantha. I regret everything. You do not. She doesn't regret marrying me. Not yet. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's going to be a great... Um, working on getting a DJ. So you know one. No one cares about it. <laughs> yeah, actually, one of my potential listeners was telling me, she's like, stop... Um, it was ever she's like stop inviting everyone to your wedding through and i was like i was like everyone that listens to this is going to my wedding already <laughs> all three people are going like it's, i'm not inviting <laughs> random people there are no random people listening to this thing so i think there might be some though i think there actually might be some random people because well, they want to come there's this one guy that comments on my facebook i have no idea who he is and I was like, does that guy listen to my thing like does he is he someone that's listening I should investigate as to who that is. Like, if you're one extra fan, I know who you are. It's like, I know who you are. I will engage with you personally for now. If I had a lot of fans, then obviously I wouldn't be able to do that. But I could engage with all of you. All five of you. They might be too intimidated to talk to Maledictus. No. It's me, people. Am I still Mal? I am Maledictus, aren't I? The scribe of all things metal. I haven't said that in a while. I haven't, like, gone with that persona. I'm just being me. Yes, you did. You opened the show. I, with but it. I didn't really like accentuate it through the show. It wasn't like because Maledictus. I was just like, oh yeah, it's just me. Just being normal. So, I like to talk today. I have to edit this thing now. <laughs> it's gonna take like a few days. No, I should really just sit here and work, edit it. So anyway, people, thank you for listening. See you soon. Stay metal.